This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, you there? All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek. I'm joined by Rich in a surprise episode of the Sixers beat. Not too much of a surprise. I think we if we planned on doing one before Thursday's trade deadline and probably one after trade deadline, but certainly did not plan on doing one today. We, of course, got that surprise. That voice you heard at the beginning of the podcast was a dramatic recreation of Rich waking me up at 2.30 in the gosh darn morning earlier today uh, about the... Sixers and Los Angeles Clippers trade, which saw the Sixers bring in Tobias Harris. I had made the mistake. You know, I think when we were at the game, it was pretty obvious something was brewing. You know, first we noticed right away, nobody from the front office was on the floor before the game, walking around mingling. There's nobody there. Then Elton Brand was probably a solid 30 minutes or so late getting to his typical seat behind the baseline, and then after the game, Brett Brown came out and admitted, oh, I didn't know J.J. Redick wasn't playing until two minutes before the game because I was talking to Elton about trade deadline chatter. Which is so funny you, because we knew 15 minutes before the game sitting in the media room. Right, right, exactly. Um, and you could tell, like, J.J. Redick, he went through about two minutes of his pregame shooting routine. That usually takes him 10 to 15 minutes. So you knew something was up. You knew he wasn't feeling well. Um, and that was a solid hour before the game. So this was out there. Brett Brown just wasn't available to be told this. So you get back. You start talking. You know, like, there was a sense that something was coming and that something was close. I thought I had enough time to fall asleep for a couple hours. Like, my intention was to go to sleep at 1.30 wake up at about 5.30, I was going to either write about trade deadline activity or I was going to write about the game that happened last night. You called me about 45 minutes, maybe an hour into my sleep, and very rudely uh, but very appreciatively woke me up, uh, and here we are. Um, the rest is history. Yes, uh, I was uh, Thank you, I was thank trying you Wawa. Uh, I'm very appreciative of the 48 ounces of coffee I ended up drinking at 4 a.m., uh, you helped me get through this this trying time, uh, but he- here we are. I was trying to fall asleep when it happened, and right before, I guess right before I fell asleep, my phone just blew up, and yeah, the, the news that the Sixers had landed Tobias Harris, and I thought, well, I guess I'm not going to sleep now, and I guess I got to call you. Uh, I am also running on fumes, and... That is not to say that I'm complaining about my job or anything like that. No, I just all. I just want to uh, quickly make an excuse for why I might not make any sense for this <laughs> entire podcast. I apologize to my editors at The Athletic so many times this morning because I'm like, there is no way this sounds like actual English. First of all, I'm not a good writer as it is, but you add in 45 minutes of sleep. I, I, I was writing 3,500 words on more ounces of coffee than I had minutes of sleep. I still I still feel that a little bit. So like you, I apologize if this sounds like gibberish. Um, 
All right, getting to the details of the trade. The Sixers sent out Landry Shamit, Wilson Chandler, and Mike Muscala, pretty much all of their reliable bench depth, for Tobias Harris, Mike Scott, and Boban Marjanovic. Boban! Boban. They have a Boban. That's very key in this trade. The Sixers also sent out two first-round draft picks. The first one is what will most likely be the Sixers' own 2020 second-round pick. It's lottery-protected. Everything would have to go wrong between now and, and May 2020 in order for that not to convey. But if that doesn't convey, it's lottery-protected in 2021. Again, lottery-protected in 2022. If it hasn't conveyed at that point, it becomes 2023 and 2024 second-round picks. They also sent out the, the, the Miami unprotected first-round pick in 2021 that they received last year as part of the Zaire Smith and Michael Bridges trade. And they sent out two second-round picks, what is it, 2021 and 2023? Yep. For, from the, the Detroit Pistons. That they got in the deal for Kyrie Thomas last year. Good right. bit of work. They cashed in yeah. on there. No, that was – I mean, that was a very big draft for them. And I think a lot of people, especially as Bridges was playing, Zaire Smith was not, and the first couple of maybe attempts they had to use that, that upcoming Miami pick weren't successful. I think a lot of people that, – that trade fell out of favor for a lot of people. But when you look at a team now that gave up four draft picks as really the primary components of this trade – Three of those four draft picks were generated directly from last year's activities, were pretty much created from scratch. So the impact of losing all of those draft picks, and look. And while, we'll and while you still have your lottery pick on the roster as well. Right. Maybe not the rookie was contributing, but that's no fault of Zaire's. Um, no fault of Zaire's. Yeah, you, but, just, you, didn't, you didn't cash in the entire draft, is my point. Right, no, for sure. Um but while there is still certainly some risk inherent in trading four draft picks for none, especially for a player who will be an unrestricted free agent in Tobias Harris's case, I mean, the fact that you were able to create that kind of capital last June was, was really important and the reason that this trade was possible. So let's, I guess, start off with Harris and his fit and how you see that working and where you think that puts the Sixers in terms of the Eastern Conference. You know, I think right off the bat, I don't think they're done. I don't, I'm not necessarily saying that's just buyout either. Like, I think they're going to be very active on the trade market here now over the next 21 hours or so. I'm not sure exactly when I'll post this, but we're recording it at 6 p.m. I think they'll still be active, so I don't think they're done. But where do you think that leaves them right now? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've been talking about the Sixers' lack of depth and how, you know, they were going to be active at this trade deadline. We just didn't know it would be a trade of this magnitude, a, a blockbuster oh, no. deal. In in no way did I think this would be a trade of this magnitude, for sure. That was a, a, a shock. So, you know, instead of kind of filling in some of the holes on the bench, they probably created even greater holes on the bench while making the starting lineup I mean, I know this has been commonly thrown out there. I think it's probably the best starting lineup in the East. It's yeah. It's probably the second best starting lineup in the in the NBA. Uh, Tobias Harris is very good, man. That is my hashtag analysis on that one. Uh, and he's a really good fit for the Sixers. Sixty point two percent true shooting. What is he shooting from three? Forty one percent on a on a whole bunch of threes. 
Um, that's a big deal. And he's also huge. I mean, that starting lineup, you know, I don't think Harris is as good of a defender as no. Simmons or Butler. Nope. But he's huge. And that helps when, when you can have a starting lineup that is 6-4 with Redick and then goes 6-9, 6-10, 6-8, and 7-2. That's a lot of length, man. They're freaking huge. And, and that's, a, that's a lot of length without really, really having to comp- compromise perimeter skills or shooting, which is very difficult to do and really the holy grail when you're talking about building a team. And and by the way, JJ, get ready to get hunted in the playoffs. I I think the Sixers need to start figuring that out right now because, I mean, it, it, he is going to be the guy that teams attack for sure. Uh, it's I like look, I, adding Tobias is is really good. I mean, I know there's an idea that there's one ball and will he be able to thrive with you know ball dominant players who let's face it, are, you know, have had some growing pains playing together without him already uh, in Butler, Embiid, and Simmons. I, I will say just like looking at, you know, potential playoff matchups down the line, it's, uh, it's something I think I've mentioned a few times on here. The hiding spot is gone. Oh, yeah. If, yep. if you're looking at, at somebody like Kyrie Irving or, you know, even a first-round series like a Kemba Walker or, or some somebody else – Maybe Kyle Lowry, like we saw last night with Muscala. The Sixers have always had a guy, whether that was Covington, who just didn't have the off the dribble stuff, whether it was Chandler, who just was not quick enough, or Muscala, who was basically just a spot up shooter. The uh, these small guards, the the opposing coaches had no problem sticking Kyrie Irving on Chandler, like Stevens did on Christmas Day. That's gone now, man, because you look at this lineup, I mean, you can't put somebody like Kyrie Irving or a smaller bad defender on Ben Simmons. He's just too big. I, you know, in the playoffs, I I think there are questions about how to guard Ben. Uh, The answer is not to do it with a poor defender. J.J. Redick, who, from a size standpoint, would be the person you would think these guys would guard, he might be the worst option out of all of them because he's going to run these yeah. people ragged. Uh, he just, I mean, you're going to have to run for 36 minutes guarding him. And by the way, like if it's a bad defender, uh, there's also the benefit of you're not going to be good at it. So J.J. Redick <laughs> is going to get open shots. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's good. So then you're basically left with, uh, with sticking your crappy defender on either Jimmy Butler or Tobias Harris. You know, it, just just thinking about it right now, I think the answer would might be Butler. That's not great, Bob. That's uh, it's not good. And I mean, like you said in your piece today at the uh, theAthletic.com slash Philly, Harris can score in a bunch of ways. Shout out to uh, Jackson Frank who posted his uh, his synergy numbers on uh, on Twitter. Eighty one percent as a pick and roll ball handler. Or 80, 81st percentile, sorry. Uh, 73rd percentile as an isolation player. 80th percentile as a post-up guy. This is not somebody who you can hide on. Um, so, you know, in, in that regard, I think they, uh, they're they going to be pretty scary offensively. 
On the other hand, I, I don't know how they're going to still guard players like Kyrie Irving. I think that that is going to fall on Butler. Primarily, he's going to really have to step up his defensive game. But like just in general, you know, I think they're going to fill out this team on the buyout market, like you said, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But this starting five is really freaking good. And, you know, does it make them the favorites in the East? I don't know. It might, though. And it certainly improves their chances of competing this year. And then, you know, like like you said, there are, uh, there are some questions down the line. But as for right now, this is a big upgrade. Yeah, and it, there, there's so much to look at and how this impacts everyone. The hiding the Kyrie Irvings of the world is big. And like you said, Covington, Chandler, there were people who you wouldn't sp- typically want to hide a point guard on, but who couldn't make use of those mismatches. Well, the Sixers, you know, the Sixers really had two problems in last year's playoffs against Boston. Three, three problems. First of all, they could bottle up Ben Simmons. The Sixers didn't make perimeter shots. And the Sixers didn't have anyone who could really beat a closeout off the dribble. Well, now all of a sudden the Sixers replaced, you know, Robert Covington with Jimmy Butler and Dario Saric with Tobias Harris, who's A, first of all, a better and more accomplished and more consistent shooter, and also better in the post, off the dribble, in pick and rolls, much better attack and closeout, both of them. Those are very substantial upgrades. So now you look at, you know, there's just a ripple effect of that. Well, now who do you who do you who do you stick your weakest defender on? Who do you you know all those those Celtics series and Raptors series where you would put you know Kawhi Leonard on Ben Simmons? Now you might not be able to do that because you've got to worry about Jimmy Butler and you've got to worry about Tobias Harris as well. That could unglue Ben Simmons quite a bit. That could make that Sixers offense, which sputtered, look completely different. I mean, this is a guy in Harris who has been just an elite catch-and-shoot player over the last two to three seasons, especially for his size, who has improved a lot in terms of creating his own shot. I'd like to see a little more in creating for others, but improved a lot in creating his own shot. And, yeah, there's only one ball. You can only add up to 100% usage rate when everyone's on the court. Uh, They will stagger that as much as they can, and the stagger should be more effective now. Um, when you can put more spacing around them, when you can put another shot creator alongside maybe Ben Simmons in that Ben and Friends lineup. But there is, um, for a, a high score, an 18-plus point-per-game scorer, Tobias Harris is, A, really efficient at a, a 60% true shooting percentage. And also, not he's only a 23% usage guy. And like I said, with how much Brett Brown is going to stagger these lineups, He's going to get his shots. Jimmy Butler is going to get his shots. Maybe not Maybe not what he's used to. You know, just might be Jimmy Butler's lowest usage rate since maybe his second or third year in the, in, in the league. And Jimmy talks a lot about all like, all I want to do is win. That's all I've ever wanted. Well, he's going to have to kind of prove that right now because he's not going to get the role he's accustomed to. None of these guys outside of probably Embiid really are. So it's, it's, it's sort of, you know, put up or shut up time for all of them, which is – you know, a little interesting because you've got two of them now who will be unrestricted free agents. That, that's that's part of the risk, especially if the team underperforms. But they have a lot of options. That should help all of them remain efficient. That should help all of them have matchups they can attack one-on-one. And, and this is a completely different playoff team now than the one we saw last year. And, oh, by the way, besides the upgrade of Tobias Harris or of Dario Scharch to Tobias Harris and Robert Covington to Jimmy Butler, 
You've also got Joel Embiid, who took a massive step individually. You've also got Ben Simmons now, who over the last two months has taken a massive step individually. This should be a very different team than the one we saw in the playoffs last year. I think we've been pretty realistic about this team's playoff chances for the most part. I think, you know, when we've kind of talked about them against the Milwaukee's and the Boston's and the Toronto's, they they have always had a shot because of their top end talent. Now I think they have a much better shot. I'll put it that way. I don't know exactly what that means, but like, I think they are very much in the conversation with these guys because that. I think what you said about uh, Brett being able to stagger the lineups, Ben and company. Now you can just put Tobias Harris in there and give him a lot of shots and. If you are able to add somebody like Wesley Matthews and uh, supplement, you know, round out the rest of this roster, they're gonna be they're gonna be a pain in the ass to play against. The uh, I am almost more worried about the defense though, which is weird to say when you have this type of size and length and the buy-in from all of these guys on the defensive end is is going to be critical because. You know, as we saw last night, this team's pro- this team's bigger problem, despite all we talk about offense, is still getting the guard people. Yeah, and I mean, I think you know a lot of people look at Tobias Harris, and you know, first of all, defensively he's a little bit similar to Wilson Chandler, but much quicker, much more athletic. He has more defensive upside than Wilson Chandler yep. for sure. I think the question is getting him to tap into that a little more consistently. And this is one area where, yeah, maybe each of them have a little less offensive usage than they would have otherwise had, but they should also have a little more energy to expend on the defensive side of the court, specifically Jimmy Butler. Like, if he's going to really embrace being that kind of, you know, elite two-way player, well, he has less responsibility than he's had in quite some time since he's made that jump into being this caliber of a player Hopefully he can translate some of that energy into more consistent defensive performance. Because I think he's been a little underwhelming at times. Good playmaker, out of position a lot off the ball, inconsistent overall. So you hope that each of them can take a little bit of a step into being a, a better, more consistent defender. You hope maybe, you know, Tobias Harris, you know, Brett Brown has gotten some good tools and inconsistent defenders to buy in. You hope maybe Brett Brown can have that kind of effect on Harris and take what is, you know, probably an average defender with tools into a more consistently above average defender. But you still don't quite have the depth to be a top of the top of the top defensive team. Like, I think this is where they're going to have to go out and make some changes still. Um, It would be great if they had Zaire Smith back. It would be great if Markel Fultz was who we thought he was going to be and, and maybe someday will be. That's not the case. So they have to kind of supplement that through the bio market. And through the um and through the rest of the trade deadline, but yeah, I think that is probably the more realistic concern, especially like we said, you just don't have a have a defender to match up with the Kyrie Irvings and the jitterbug types of the world. Waterbug types. Is that waterbug? Yes, that that's Brett Brown's phrase. I think right. jitterbug works too. Uh, yeah, whatever. I'm on uh, two and a half hours of sleep. Little off topic. I mean, just moving uh to the other side of the trade. Philadelphia is going to love Boban. I I mean, his, like the first time he plays and dunks without jumping, I can't even imagine what the crowd's going to be like. And 
I am very much looking forward to him and Joel Embiid being on the same team. Um, I just wanted to say that. But back to uh, the trade. I feel like we can talk about the on-court fit a lot more, you know, over the coming weeks when we, you know, we see what it actually looks like. So I guess I'll just start with a very basic question. Uh, they gave up a lot, right? Yeah. No, they they for sure overpaid. And I think, um, you know, I think we can acknowledge that they overpaid. And by overpay, I mean, like, looking at historical precedent, like, you do not trade four draft picks, two first-round draft picks, one of them unprotected from a team in flux in Miami for an unrestricted free agent. Like, that just does not happen very often. You know, I think you can make a case that the Sixers were the right team to make that risk. Uh, I sort of made that case in my column over at theathletic.com uh, slash Philly. But it is it is an over overpay based on historical precedent. It does carry with it very significant risks. Risk that Tobias Harris walks in five months in free agency. Risks that he signs. You know, I think when we look at this contract, I don't think a lot of times we look at max contracts and they're either drastically underpaid, and by that I mean Joel Embiid. He's worth way more on the court than $25 million, but the CBA limits how much people can make so people get underpaid. Or they're drastically overpaid. Um, and I think we kind of tend to bucket people into one of those two camps. I think Tobias Harris is right in that middle ground where he might be appropriately paid. Uh, maybe a little bit overpaid because he's on that 30% max, but he's still really young at 26. He'll be 27, I think, in free agency. So you, you kind of live with it, but it's right, you know, so you have a, a player who you, first of all, gave up a lot to acquire, and second of all, will be very expensive. And we're talking five years, $190 million. To resign at the max, I think he's going to get close to the max because there's so many different suitors out there for these types of free agents. So he's going to be very expensive. And especially if you talk about either signing Jimmy Butler or using, you know, freeing Jimmy Butler's cap hold and pursuing another player in free agency, which, which by the way, they can do. You know, if something happens with Butler over the next couple of months, they are already at the point where if you renounce Redick, you renounce Butler, you can offer a 25% max. I think you have to move maybe Zaire Smith for a, uh, moving up to a 30% max. You move, you know, Markel Fultz up to a 40% or 35% max. There is no 40% max, excuse me. Um, so getting to a max contract, if something happens where you don't think Jimmy Butler is the right person to make a long-term gamble at, you can still do that. But if you do that, or if you bring back both Butler and Harris, you're talking about a very, very expensive team. Um, I ran the numbers. It was uh, hashtag not great. So in 2020-2021, when you, if you would extend Butler, Harris, and Simmons, you'd be talking about a, approximately $129 million between those three players. Um, four and players. Four players, yeah, yeah, with Embiid. And 2022-2023, you're talking about upwards of $149, $150 million. So you're talking about a very expensive core where putting pieces around that would be almost prohibitive. And in the coming months, we'll start talking about some of these repeater tax penalties, some of the apron rules, which we <laughs> haven't had to worry about because all of that was instituted all, at a time after the Sixers started the all we had process to know, and we're nowhere All we had to know is that the salary cap floor didn't matter. <laughs> right. We got to ignore some of these new updates. So we'll, we'll clue you in on that. But the, it... it becomes a little more difficult to add pieces and first of all Josh Harris and company have to be willing to pay that but second of all they're going to have to really play the margins on these second round draft picks these late first round draft picks these um 
you know, smaller mid-level exceptions that they'll have. They're going to have to really find contributors beyond these four because they won't have very many avenues to add to it. They're going to have to really be sure that these four are the four to contribute in because they're not going to have a whole lot of flexibility in trades, and they're not going to have a whole lot of flexibility in signing people, and they're not going to have much draft capital either. So they really have to be sure when they commit to these four because come July, your core is going to be locked into place, for better or for worse. And I think it's really easy to look at them right now and say, oh, they fit great, and I, I think they probably do. But with inflexibility comes risk, and that is – if I was going to pick one concern, that is, is my biggest concern, is that they just don't have very many avenues going forward. And that happens a lot when you start talking about really good teams. It's natural. It would be great if they had a few more assets left over from what they inherited so they had a little more flexibility going forward. But that this is a problem that's sort of inherent in being a really, really good team and being a contender but they will be an edge case level of inflexible, and that will be uh, something we'll have to, to manage. Yeah, I mean, for the first time in I don't know how many years, I think you could probably describe them as asset poor. They, Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. They still have a bunch of second rounders, but they are now down one of their own first round picks, and they don't have anybody else's. And yeah, that's uh, I mean that like look, I think we all knew once the team got good, this is part of what happens when when you are good. It kind of feels like the Doug Collins era, except with an awesome team. Um, it's so I guess not like not like the Doug not like the Doug Collins era at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, on uh on re- real GM's uh, draft pick de- debts owed, it looks like the Doug Collins era. But yes, yes. not when uh. Not when it comes time to watch a game, by any means. Uh, it's down to the million turnovers they have and better shot selection. But uh, that, that's – I don't know why I'm going on about Doug Collins. Anyway, <laughs> I, I guess the question is, when making this trade to me, is could you have done better this summer? Could you have potentially lured Tobias Harris this summer? Um and I think it's like, what are the benefits of acquiring now? And I think, I mean, those are those are pretty simple. Those are, you know, you get to have him play in your system and hopefully get comfortable with the coaches and the players and the city. You also can offer him more money. That's the that's the key thing there by acquiring his bird rights. But yeah, it's like you said. I mean, they, they've traded quite a bit this uh, this season. And it's it's pretty funny that uh, they know there's no doubt to me the the package that they traded for Harris is better than the one they traded for Butler. Oh um, yeah, for sure. Yep. It's more it's more appealing from the Clippers standpoint as opposed to what the Wolves got. Uh, they they've given a lot for two guys who can just straight up walk this summer, and. You know that's that's kind of interesting to me, and it's it's like you said, they're going to have to pay these guys, if not the max, pretty damn close because of all of the cap space that is out there. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, Tobias Harris would get maxed out by another team. Same thing for Butler. I mean, we've had that conversation all the time too. Uh, so yeah, it's it's kind of a it's a tricky spot, and like you said, uh, Josh Harris, time's yours if you are able to lock up all four of these guys. Uh, it's something else you mentioned in your article that I thought was pretty interesting too. Um, 
could Harris acquiring him be a little bit of a hedge against Butler leaving this offseason? Yeah, so before we get too deep into that, a real quick word from this week's sponsor, betonline.ag. It's another huge week across the NBA with some very exciting matchups, and there's only one place to get in on all of this action, betonline.ag. Sports, casino, virtual casino, you name it, betonline.ag is CLNS Media's preferred sportsbook online. You can go online or use your mobile phone to sign up today at betonline.ag and try in-game live betting where you can participate with all the action and with every play. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. Among the biggest matchups in the NBA this week will feature the Sixers taking on LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers in a marquee matchup with plenty of on-court excitement and drama happening both on and off the court. You don't want to be left on the sidelines. Go where the action is at betonline.ag. CLNS Media and BetOnline are offering you a 50% sign-up bonus if you use the code CLNS50 with your first deposit. Go to clnsmedia.com slash win. Use the promo code CLNS50 for your 50% sign-up bonus today. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So, yeah, whether they could have done this in free agency is interesting. And, you know, I think, first of all, you do get the added bonus of having his bird rights. And that's 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 huge. That's enormous. You know, the difference between five years, $190 million, and four years, about $140 million is very substantial. Uh, I think that that plays a big factor. I think also having Harris on the roster for the next couple of months, making that playoff run, getting him comfortable with the team, I do think there is very legitimate value in that. But there's also... You know, he seems like a good. He seems like a good dude. He does. Too. He uh, does. So I don't think you know. Again, you know, we've rehashed the Jimmy locker room dynamics all the time. I don't want to get into that again. But I, I think it's it's not a stretch to say I don't have that level of concern with Tobias Harris. That's all. Keep going. Yeah, for sure. Um, and. You know, I think in terms of high end upside, like if you wanted to sign Tobias Harris in the summer, you would have had to renounce the rights to, to JJ Redick, and bring him back after that fact would have been very difficult. So that's a benefit. Like if you want to bring JJ Redick back, bring back this starting lineup, that is now possible. And also now, if you want to pivot away from Jimmy Butler, you know, in order to sign Tobias Harris in the summer, you would have, while keeping Jimmy Butler, um, you know, basically, if you would have wanted to replace Jimmy Butler, you wouldn't have been able to replace someone and also bring in Tobias Harris. Like the Sixers were not getting two max slots available, but because of Tobias Harris's low twenty-two point two million dollar cap hold, they can keep Tobias Harris, sign him to an extension after they sign somebody else in free agency, and be able to use that to basically replace Jimmy Butler. So there, there is a lot more flexibility now. They paid a hefty price for that flexibility, and we can determine whether or not that was worth it. But I think there are reasons why they're in a much stronger and, and better position now than they previously were. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't know. You know, it's just when you – I think we we have talked about Tobias Harris a lot. Yeah, he, he just, was – Just he, bull, he bullshitting was, before games. and. I mean, he was realistically one of the, the – in terms of who was realistic to sign this summer. And you can dream about Clay and KD and all that stuff, Kawhi. No, no way. He was he, he was the the higher end realistic option. So yeah, and I mean, if the Clippers were willing to give 
it seems like they weren't gung ho on signing him to a max extension. Although there was reporting that they would have been happy to do that if if their summer didn't didn't go the way they were hoping for. It seems like they are very much in the star hunting business, though. Sure. And when we're saying star hunting, like we're talking Kawhi Leonard and right, we're talking star Kyrie stars, Irving yeah. and yeah, and Kevin Durant. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, if he becomes available, would you be able to cobble together the best offer for him? I don't know. There's there's risk in that, and especially when he does not know anything about your your culture and and your system, I'm not sure what the right answer would have been. But yeah, I mean, if you could have added him this summer to a to a still very young core with Simmons and Embiid without giving up Landry Shamit, who I, I think is kind of getting glossed over a little bit, that's a that's a nice value add. For the Clippers, they, you know, he looks like he's going to be a player, and they have him for three years on a just a dirt cheap deal. Uh, and also the Miami pick and, and their own pick, I, that that's something they would have had to weigh. But it, it's clear when they were uh, they've made both of these deals and have kind of gone all in. The Sixers didn't want to go into the summer with a what if scenario. You know, banking on free agency, uh, banking on going to players from other teams and trying to convince them to come to Philly. And combine that with kind of a a win-now mentality this year, and this is where they are. But, yeah, would you – so I I know this is is almost too early to say. Would you say Tobias, just because of his age, I don't think he is as good as Jimmy, but because of his age – and his more seamless skill set, he is probably their third priority right now. I would say he is a. I would say it's more likely he is back than Jimmy is back. Yes, definitely. But that's also because Jimmy just might not want to be here. That that that's true too. I think Jimmy is a more. There's more variance in Jimmy's personality. There's more concern about how Jimmy will age, and I think it is more likely to. And and going back to. Our sponsor, BetOnline.ag, um, they very recently released odds. I think Harris was at three to two to return, and Jimmy Butler was at two to one to return. And I think both coming back was. Ah, hold on, I should really look this up and not talk out of my. You know what? Uh, here, it's right here. Got it right here. Don't be too long. Yeah. So in order, uh, Jimmy Butler or Tobias Harris only coming back three to two. Jimmy Butler only coming back two to one. Both coming back five to two, and neither coming back four to one. So they certainly place Harris as a more likely option. Um, I would certainly go along with that. I think that is accurate. Uh, we will see. You know, I think a lot will happen over the next couple of months, which will determine Jimmy. Whereas I think I think Tobias is. I think there's a lot of confidence right there, and because of age, because of fit and skill set because of fit and maybe personality, or at least a little more predictable personality. Uh, you know, I think I think it's just it's easier to pencil him in going forward. Yeah, that's uh that's where we are. How much money, uh just so I mean, you would be informing me as well, but so you can tell the listeners. Let's say Jimmy walks just on his own. Let's say they you know, for whatever reason they can't come to an agreement or maybe he just says 
I want to play for my own team, whether that's, you know, Brooklyn or New York or somewhere. Uh, if Jimmy walks and they sign Tobias to a max contract, how much cap space would they have? This well, they'd, they'd have to start making those maneuvers before they sign Tobias. They'd have to make that while he still only has his cap cold because he's going to end up having a higher contract than that $22.2 million well, cap hold. Let, let's say they do that. Let's say they, they come to an agreement. Uh, You'd be looking and, and tell him you, you can get paid after we we finish the rest of this stuff. Yeah, you, you'd be looking at about thirty million in cap space. It's pretty good, but you also you also wouldn't have Reddick though, right? That would be without Reddick, correct? Reddick has a a pretty big one hundred fifty percent, like eighteen million dollar cap hold. Yep. Does that include Fultz? That includes Fultz. Yep. Yep. So if you shed his contract, you can get to a max. Absolutely. You have you have a li- you have a little flexibility next July in free agency. You lose all of that flexibility once July is over, and you have very little trade or draft flexibility. So they have to they their decisions in July are extremely important to this team long term. Extremely important. We cover a pretty interesting team, man. There's, <laughs> we, there's always something going on. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Um, and oh, by the way, there's a lot of upside in this team too, which is which is always better to cover. Although it's always good to cover a good relevant team. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, the, uh, and like I said, I don't. I, 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 I really think people. You know, I, I, I called out some of the risk this morning. I think it was this morning at some point today. Um, between when I woke up, when I was very rudely woken up, but very appreciative that I was. And now, you know, I pointed out some of these risks. And I really do look at inflexibility. Not any of the one assets the Sixers gave up, not Landry Shamit, not the Miami pick, certainly not the Sixers pick, which should be in the late 20s. It's not any one asset that is a risk. It is the lack of flexibility, which is a risk. And I do think that is a risk. I think you have to account for that. But a lot of people got met. Well, well, none of these players are going to be as good as Tobias Harris. Like, you might not get a deal like this, blah, blah, blah. It's a really good fit. That can all be true. Like, just because there is risk does not mean it is a bad move to make. So I think it's we have to kind of acknowledge what the risks are, acknowledge that they probably overpaid best based on historical precedent, but also acknowledge that that is a really good fit and there is an opportunity of turning this down, and this could really work out in an incredible way for the team going forward. A core of, even if, let's say, things don't work out with Jimmy, and I think there's a lot of, you know, I'm not saying that that's going to happen. I'm saying there's a lot of time to figure that out. But even if you're left with the core of a 27-year-old Tobias Harris, a 24-year-old Joel Embiid, and 22-year-old Ben Simmons, that's a really good starting point. And when we talk about a lot of the instability in teams, in high-end teams, like with um, Kyrie Irving, like in Kevin Durant leaving, having those three locked in at that age is going to present the Sixers with a very, very almost unmatchable base. And now they have to take some of that inflexibility they have and learn to work around that. Totally agreed. It'll, it'll be fascinating. And and like you said, I mean, I'm just going to put this out there because I, I think we've kind of talked about all of, you know, the, the risk and the potential downside of this. I was at Oracle Arena last week. Cool place, real loud building. Would I be stunned if I was back there in June? No, nope. Th- in the conversation, been. absolutely. Absolutely. Pretty cool. Um, so I, I guess b- I, before we're, we're done, let's let's go over quickly what do we think happens next uh, in oh. terms of the ne- uh, the next twenty hours or so, and 
after that in the buyout market as the Sixers look to fill out the rest of this roster. So I think, you know, I think the the next obvious questions are going to be what happens to Markel and what happens to Jimmy. And I think a lot of people are asking that. You know, because I think a lot of people are looking at it like, is this a hedge against Jimmy? And whether or not it was consciously hedge against Jimmy or not, you know, that is sort of one of the byproducts of this trade. You now have more options. You're not left in as bad of a position if Jimmy walks. But does that mean they're looking to shop him now? And unless there's been something that has happened outside of what's been reported, I'm not at that point where I'm saying they're shopping him now. I could be wrong. I'm not, like I said, something could have happened. But I think the highest upside left in this season is for Butler to, you know, sort of accept his role and to add a dynamic to this team that they still really do need. So I think, you know, you start looking at that. I would expect him to be here. I hope I'm not, you know, in the next couple hours proven wrong about that. Markell is a lot more interesting. You know, this team did not go out and give up four draft picks for an unrestricted free agent to add to another unrestricted free agent they just recovered to go out and come up short on depth. Like, I do think this team is looking to make a very strong statement this year. I think this team believes they can run to the NBA Finals this year, and they should. They have a a contending core. So you start looking at the numbers and how they're going to match salary. If they're going to make a trade of significance and bring back a salary of significance, Markel almost has to be included. They do not have other salary to match with, and they need to since they're over the cap. And you look at the quotes that Brett Brown gave yesterday on, you know, Markel. Not a ringing endorsement. Not a ringing endorsement, and whether or not you can, you know, rely on him going forward. And he's basically like, hey, I hope to be surprised. And you look at what, you know, that they need that salary to match. You look at what they could look to do next summer in free agency with Markel's extra $9.7 million or whatever it is, $9.4 million. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think anything could be in store for the next 20-ish hours um, in Sixers land. I think, uh, I think Markel, if the right trade comes about, uh, we, we could be looking at the end. And it's only it could be. It's not a definitely. But I think it's on the table. I think the best case, and I know for a while, I would even say a couple months ago, we warned against doing this, basically trading him for a one-year rental. That has kind of become the reality now, though. Here's here, here's reality, too. They're going to have to commit to Jimmy Butler and or a replacement for Jimmy Butler and and Tobias Harris in the summer. It's not a guarantee Markel Fultz plays a game of basketball before that. Then they're going to have to decide on Markel Fultz's excessively large fourth-year option next October, which, again, he might not play a game of basketball before then. Considering they might be, I mean, we talked about the numbers not too long ago, like they might be locked into 130 million in those four players in 2020, 2021. Are they going to pick up that option? I I don't know. No way. No way. So at what point, like, are we at past the point now where you can look at it and say, look, if this kid turns it around, he could be really good. I'm not sure he's going to get the opportunity to, even if they don't trade him. Their timeline just doesn't match up uh, no. for the amount of time that it would take likely for him to get back and playing at a level, you know, of, of contributing basketball, which of course we have no idea that he's ever going to get back to anyway. Yeah, that's uh that's the big question. And then I think the other thing that is 
less pressing, but is certainly going to be important. What are the Sixers going to be able to do on the buyout market? Yep. And I, you know, the names are, uh, have been thrown out there. Wes Matthews, I think Wayne Ellington just got traded today. It seems like he's, uh, he's headed there at some point. Um, and there will probably be some of these like Terrence Ross, um, yeah, Trevor Ariza that you expect to be could, traded but just won't be, and they could end up being bought out too. Could you imagine if they got Matthews and Ariza? Yeah. Ugh. No, I mean that would that, that, that would be that really would good. A lot. Yep. 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 Yeah. So again, they have the full full mid level. They can uh, they could break that apart and offer it to a couple different guys and tell them. I, I think also too with with the buyout market, they also have a solid enough core where they can tell these guys, look, man, if you, if you come here and you know, this other guy we're targeting decides to sign too, you could be playing in the NBA finals for somebody yeah. like Wes Matthews, who has not even gotten close to the NBA finals. That's pretty good. That is pretty daggone good. Um, and, and by the way, the Sixers, you know, they, did they lose a little depth in this trade? You know, Absolutely. But they, I mean, Boban, first of all, you can't play him against every team. Like, he just doesn't move well enough in space. To do that, teams you can't play him well he's against, he's a really good permanent player. But he has a role, especially against teams like Toronto and Valanciunas and, you know, Boston and Aaron Baines. We, but Mike, we saw this Mike, live. He would play we well saw against this Embiid. Live. Yes. Um, but also Mike Scott. Mike Scott has a role as a stretch for good shooting, a little more mobile, not nearly as much center equity as Mike Muscala. So he will get minutes too. I think he shot about 40% over the last two years from three-point range. He will be in the rotation. So they, they, they have pieces to add in there. One or two more wings, maybe one point guard defender, and this playoff rotation could take shape. Yep. Any, right. uh, anything else? I think that's probably it. Um, like I said, overall, risky trade. Probably a little bit of an overpay. Can make the case that six were the right team to make the overpay. And one heck of a lot of upside, both in it's the short fun. and long-term future. Going to be fun. Uh, we will see what Brett Brown can do in terms of getting everybody on the same page and in the roles that they are comfortable with. We don't have a whole lot of time between now and the playoffs. Brown will have his work cut out for him, but he has a lot to work with. Thank you for jumping on, Rich, and we will talk to you soon. All right, man. Check is life to death, breathing the sniper's breath. I exhale the yellow smoke of Buddha through righteous steps.